0: In each episode, we talk about fine-tuning your life, your team, or your business, but at the heart of any company's performance is the technology. It's the website when your customers go online to schedule a plumber for emergency home repairs. It's the -the behind-the-scenes system that schedules and tracks your company's deliveries to key suppliers. Well, Architect's team of experts helps companies like yours transform and succeed using the power of modern software. In fact, Microsoft just gave them a prestigious Global Partner of the Year award. And that says something. Reach out to them at architect.ca to hear what they've built for companies just like yours. That's A-R-C-H-I-T-E-C-H dot C-A. Are you looking to fine-tune? Whether for your business, your job, your team, or yourself. In each episode, we will be discussing different ideas and opinions using real-world examples to help you see opportunities, innovate, and succeed. Hi, it's Corby Fine, and welcome to Fine-Tune. With me today for my podcast, I have a really interesting individual, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Edwards, who many of you may not know, many of you may know, but he is currently the CEO of Skip the Dishes, which is one of Canada's ultimate technology success stories in terms of its roots being in a smaller city in the middle of the country. And when I say middle of the country, I actually mean middle of North America. We'll talk about that. Winnipeg, it's a story that goes in my family, When people got off the boat, they said, where do you want to go? And they shoved them in Winnipeg because it was kind of like Russia. But that's a whole other conversation. Take a look at the map. I, I promise you it's actually the middle of the continent. And really coming from a background of marketer living around the world, having all this international exposure, landing in Winnipeg, Manitoba, running a Canadian technology success story. And I had the pleasure of meeting him in a green room at a conference where we had no idea who the other person was. Uh, But now he's on my podcast, so I'm the winner in this relationship. Kevin, welcome to my podcast today.
1: Hey, thank you so much. I'd actually like to hear more about you and your story about how your family got to Winnipeg. That's really interesting. (laughs) The,
0: you know, immigration people in the 1930s, just send me somewhere that's kind of like where I came from. (laughs) And they said, well, where's that? And you say, well, it's sort of like kind of Siberia, cold Russia, Poland. They're like, we have the perfect place, Winnipeg, Manitoba.
1: Well, I, I got here a little bit differently than that, but it is still all that. It is definitely a center of North America. It's got amazing uh, history here and deep root in commerce. So,
0: well, maybe by the end of this, I'll tell you the meal I had there that I have never ever had again. But that's a that's for later. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> let, let's set the context because you know, Skip the Dishes was founded, uh, I believe, in 2012 by colleagues who were working and you know, really needing. They needed to get food. People don't like to leave their desk. They're they're working long hours. I mean, every lawyer and, you know, associated profession in the downtown Toronto market knows all about that too well. And like many entrepreneurs, they saw the opportunity to solve their own problem. And so building out this really interesting online platform to facilitate delivery, obviously food being the first thing, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about what a delivery platform actually is. The business launched, Prairie Provinces kind of grew around the country, and ultimately there was a really successful exit, and now those founders are off doing other things. I may know one or two of them in another Western province, and you somehow found your way from this international lifestyle, running large brands and working in large organizations, back to to be the CEO. So it's an interesting background. Why don't you talk a little bit about what led you to land running this company? What was the story, and how were you the person... To do this,
1: yeah, uh, be glad to. I I think I kind of got to go back to uh, the roots of this business and how how it came about with respect to the amazing founders, uh, three brothers and and two best friends from Saskatchewan, uh, Prince Albert, PA as they call it out here. Yeah, I think one of the brothers was living in London, a banker working and and actually was ordering from. What ended up becoming the parent company, uh, Just Eat, or another delivery platform like that. And I uh, was sort of fascinated that uh, this thing existed where you didn't have to just order uh, Szechuan or pizza, but you could get just about anything. And so that was really fascinating uh, to him. And very quickly, he uh, came up with the business model and uh, they, they launched in Saskatoon and very soon uh, found success. I mean, I think part of their success was having restaurants actually trust them enough to them on their website and take their order and send them their revenue. But, you know, these are really brilliant guys and they very quickly, you know, they were working night and day. I mean, they were delivering orders. They were, they were building the tech. They were, you know, they were doing everything and, and they slowly built the business. I want to say slowly. I mean, in the early days, it was getting it off the ground, figuring how to do it. There's something unique about what we do here in Canada, skip and, and, you know, platforms, our competitors, we're a logistics platform primarily. Whereas in Europe and, and a place like New York as well is, is that many of the restaurants that you would love in your neighborhood are, are self delivery. And so. Uh, we call that marketplace. So Just Eat, which is formerly our parent brand, still kind of is because there's been a couple mergers. You would you would create a website and you would bring ki- customers to your website. You would advertise, uh, you, you know, your 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 platform, and then people with their brands on there, and then you took the order and sent it to them, and they would they would self deliver. And that was kind of the genesis of this business. That's that's where it kind of started in Saskatoon. But very quickly, they realized that there's this whole other thing, and that is. Restaurants that don't have the capacity to self-deliver then can we will will we'll not only uh, you know take the order uh, process the order we'll also pick it up and deliver it and that became what we call the logistics part of our business or the logistics side and can- Canada is for the most part uh, almost entirely uh, logistics based so if you can imagine well, that tech had not been built then and, and there, there's some dispute as to whether Uber Eats or one of the other you know global well-funded Silicon Valley companies came up with the concept first. We, we like to believe that our our Prairie Kids actually built this uh, before any of them, but we all kind of arrived in the market around the same time. So, anyway, that's kind of how it got off the ground. They were they're amazing, and I, and one one of the things that's distinguished us is is our tech. We have built an incredibly efficient network, and uh, that's what that's what keeps us going. That was the impetus for uh, purchasing the. The the business in 2016, late 2016,
0: and and what do you mean by delivery platform? Because it's an interesting term. And when you talk about the tech, uh, what is it that really differentiates you, uh, in your own words, from let's say those
1: competitors? Well, I think we do, we distinguish ourselves in a lot of different ways. We are essentially, I mean, you know, platform is one of those most overused words, and I apologize for it. But in, in the context it, for us, it's just a a place where people arrive and, and, and make selection and, and process payments. So, I mean, obviously it's our, it's a, you know, our app is the customer facing part of the platform, but that's essentially what I mean. So, but we still do marketplace, like, you know, for the few brands that are businesses that actually will self-deliver, I mean, we bring them to the same place. We bring them through the, through the same door. We just stop at one part of the transaction. That's the delivery. We don't have our contractor careers executing the delivery.
0: So you were brought in to evolve the marketing. And I will say, I love the commercials. Talk about coming in to run marketing for this brand. And then, you know, what were those couple of nuggets of success that really helped take this business and put it on the rocket ship that it seems to have been on in terms of growing its market share?
1: Yeah. So I had a meeting with um, the CEO at the time, Chris uh, Samir. he was the last of the, he was the second brother who was the founder of the uh, the business. And they, they were looking for, they realized they were at a point where uh, everybody was doing something for the first time. Uh, a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of the tech team and sort of learned coding. They'd just come out of school, they would learn it in a book. Like, I don't mean the entire tech team. I mean, back in the early days, they were jack of all trades. And And so even the brand was, Kind of, you know, built out of, hey, grab this person and a couple more and and we'll get together and we'll figure out how we're going to advertise. Really smart people, though, and very strategic. And they had essentially built the brand here on the prairies long before it ever came east. You know, they had all the best restaurants. In fact, our competitors weren't weren't in the West then. They, They came after. So we had an opportunity to build a business here and build a brand, uh, and an affinity for a brand. And so the time that I was asked to come in, it was about a year and a half, just over a year, maybe after just eat had bought uh, skip. And, you know, we needed to get, we had a lot of investment from them. They wanted us to, to scale, scale quickly, to grow the business as quickly as possible and it required some, um, bit more experience in how to drive the brand and, uh, and put a team together and uh, and build strategies. And we didn't have, we had a couple of agencies that were supporting us at the time, but not really, a, you know, an, an AOR. And so that was one of the first things we did. I remember talking to, uh, once again, brilliant people. I mean, I, I, listen, the the marketing team is essentially, except for, we've had added a lot, but it's essentially the key people on the marketing team back then, very small marketing team, are still here. And so, you know, you arrive and you go, wow, we've got all the talent here we need, we just need more of it. And, you know, and then you look at, you know, the strategies and we, we just need to, we need some support outside. So one of the first things we did was we did an agency search and found our, our current agency, um, which is Arrivals and Departures, which has helped us, you know, build this brand. We also needed some support in the area of media, and both digital and traditional. So helping this team think about the steps that we needed to, to get to all the boxes we needed to check in order to be able to spend the money in the best way possible, because we were getting significant investment. And I said to uh, you know our uh, the CEO at the time, Chris Samara. He asked me about budget, and I said, you know, I work for I, I work for brands that are high growth, and I've worked for brands where every year you're taking three four percent off of uh, your marketing budget. I said it's easy to spend a lot of money, to be perfectly honest with you. It's much harder to spend a budget that's declining, and so I think. Coming with that skill set, I mean, I came from Office Products, right? At one point, and Office Products every year you're trying to rationalize smaller, smaller budget. So, I said that you know that kind of helped me be very concerned about costs and the best ROI and placing our bets in the right in in the right way. And that that's that was experience. Um, I know this is a podcast, but anybody see me would know that I have years of experience just by my gray hair. So.
0: I, I was going to say the way you described coming in put uh, put you into that bucket already. So good job. Um, <laughs> so so an interesting point there though, you talk about the small market and the fact that people who were there on day one are still there. Has the small market been advantageous in some regards? Has it been a challenge in some regards? How would you say operating a fast growing scale up digital oriented business in a small market? What, what's been the, the, the good and the bad?
1: Yeah. Gr- great question. I, I, I... People ask me about Winnipeg all the time. And I I will say that, first of all, the talent was here, Uh, not just, you know, when I joined and I was leading marketing, but in all aspects of it. When I got here, I think we were 1,100 people, well, well, maybe less than a thousand. We're 2,500 people now. And the vast majority of them are here in Winnipeg. We have a lot of, we we have a large ops organization that's here, but you know, our engineers, our marketing teams, our sales and, and, and partnerships, people are all here now. Is it difficult to recruit to Winnipeg? It's much less so now, I can tell you. Skip uh, is a place that people want to join. And we're very proud of that. But we're also open to bring on talent from, from other cities where it exists. But the one thing that was really, I wasn't so much concerned about it, but I, I wanted to point out to everybody is, is that I don't think this, this business would be where it is today if it were built anywhere else. You know, whether it was built in Saskatoon, ultimately, they they stayed there or or when they came to Winnipeg. The people here, the prairie folk, the young people that built this business, there's just a certain, you know, commitment and head down and loyalty. And we're not going to give up until we're successful. That really is what characterized this team from the first 10, (laughs) you know, when they doubled their team to 10 and then, you know, the first I say the first 50 to 100 are, are what I call the OGs, you know, like they are they are um, amazing people who are committed and are still committed. Many of them are still here. And we're proud of that, even though our founders have moved on and they're doing a, a more exciting things. But, you know, it's just a certain quality of the people here. I, I, uh, I really admire them. And, I you know, it's not to suggest you couldn't do this in Toronto. I just think there's more distraction you know so people will people be looking over your shoulder for the next career move here here and i'm not saying there's not choice here because there's lots of choice here but it's just a certain quality that that there's just a little bit less less distraction so to dig into something like skip was really uh was really interesting for him.
0: yeah the word i often hear when uh, discussing a prairie culture is is grit and it really i think comes from a lot of the the legacy industries of of the area right from natural resources a lot of farming a lot of lumber the railway which essentially you know built the connection through the east to the west it's not that dissimilar from a lot of the midwest in the us as well so it, it's a good word and i assume then that having that talent pool and that commitment really helped make it an easier transition for you going from running marketing to actually being the ceo of the business what are some of the challenges though that other people who are in marketing functions and trying to maybe parlay that into a more generalist or operational function might see? What are some of the learnings that you had in, in really shifting, and I think going back in your, your career, really to the first time as a full-fledged CEO of a fairly substantial organization?
1: Uh, there's, there's no question. You know, I was given the role rather I mean I when when I was brought on I was brought on with some purpose you know there were some really important things we need to do need to do around marketing and brand and, and strategy um, with an eye that it, at you know at some point um, our uh, our CEO uh, will want to do other things they, they have a pure startup mentality they want to grind and and create and so the timing was unexpected more than anything and you know our CEO chose to step back I I stepped into a role. I'd only been here for, I don't know, six months. So a lot of people are going, they didn't even know who I was. This is a big team and we're all in different buildings here in Winnipeg. They had to kind of cobble together a campus. So yeah, it was, I'd been there long enough to kind of figure out what we needed to do. And more of it was just about bringing teams together, you know, creating a more collaborative, not only senior leadership team, but across all levels it's not to suggest that people were working at cross purposes is it just, they grew so fast that they hadn't done the work to bring the organization together in a very collaborative, you know, even the, just, you know, just the cadence of when we check in and communicate with one another, being responsible and accountable for educating other teams and, you know, presenting ideas for feedback. It wasn't done because you're just moving so fast. And so I think I'm certainly atypical, you know, I, without a doubt, this was my, you know, at my age was my first big uh, CEO uh, president role, no question about it. And, and, you know, I, I don't know how to code. So that's, that was, I also, used
0: to, but that's been many, many, yeah. many years. I'm putting myself into your bracket now. <laughs> what the. <out. laughs> listen right right place right time yeah, no, right right person and all those things have to align which brings me to another point and maybe we'll we'll shift focus a little bit i'm a firm believer that every digital business and every business trying to become digital is truly taking advantage of the natural shift of consumer behavior right mm-hmm. we're all we're all on this path for as much as we can do on our own via an app or a website You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be on hold with a call center for 47 minutes to fix a problem, to order something, to pay a bill. And so there's this natural transition of consumer behavior. It is what it is. It's global. It's ubiquitous. Obviously, the pandemic and other things are further escalating that. But when you think about on-demand digital services, whether it's content and entertainment and education or having a meal delivered to you, what do you guys see about where this is going, the overall consumer behavior shift. And how do you then take that and think about what is next? What in the product roadmap and how you market and the features, how do you take advantage of the fact that this is happening anyway and it's getting faster and faster and faster?
1: Look, pre-COVID, we were on a natural ramp. You've got your early adopters and you can imagine they're the younger demographics who, you know, everything exists on their phone. The whole world is on their phone and all of their all of their desire is there. And so we were able to meet that challenge we may not have been you know at the time the most relevant brand maybe to that demographic we became that our advertising i think uh i think helped that it it bridged that gap the the single most important thing i think for us was was assortment right and so we we prided ourselves on having the best assortment and then we had we thought the the best tech. And, you know, everybody just keeps leapfrogging each other with product features and 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 so on and so forth. I think COVID probably moved this business, this industry ahead a couple of years. I, I, we would have, we would have arrived at the place we are this year in a couple of years. And primarily because it has forced, you know, obviously a very bad way. I mean, I, when I, you know, I say that I, I know there's no one at our company who, You know, we are proud of that we built this business and we're able to take on the challenge that COVID presented and the opportunity that COVID presented, but it certainly isn't the way that we would have hoped we arrived there. And so we were, we were certainly, we're proud and we were up to the challenges, very challenging days in the very beginning. But what COVID has done, as I think is it more than anything for our industry It has opened up the opportunity to engage with different audiences, with, you know, perhaps older demographics, families, you know, occasions have grown, obviously basket size has grown. And those were all things that we were, you know, we were going to work on as we grew the business. I mean, you have to be able to scale at a responsible way and to be able to handle it from a, you know, customer service perspective. And certainly your platform has to be able to handle the new volume, but we just, we had to deal with that inside of a couple of weeks where we would have probably planned for that over a year. But, you know, in terms of consumer, you know, being able to meet the promise every day when people need you most, that certainly adds, adds value to the brand. But so when you think about an older demographic for the very first time, goes, you know, what, what, what's this, what's this skip thing? What's this delivery thing that I'm hearing about? And then, wow, it, it you know, it works. And we don't get it right all the time. I'm not suggesting we're, you know, we're just like, you know, most businesses who are ramping fast. But we have customer service challenges. But for the most part, we get it right.
0: Do you want to disclose your uh, NPS number?
1: Um, I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> I I don't mean because I'm embarrassed by it. I am certainly not. I'm I'm actually quite proud of it. But uh, it's not it's not something we we don't talk about our numbers.
0: Well, as my grandmother said, and I've said on many other podcasts. If you don't ask, you don't get. So I thought I'd try.
1: No, no, it's it's fair. It's fair. (laughs) I,
0: I always say the cost of trying to convert somebody to be a promoter and give you a 10 out of 10 far outweighs the cost of building in the infrastructure, culture, and capabilities to not shoot yourself in the foot to force people to give you a bad rating. And when you really think about the last, in fact, let's ask you, outside of your own service, what's the last 10 out of 10 experience that you've had as a consumer?
1: Um, outside of ours. Uh,
0: cause obviously when someone shows at your door,
1: you're giving them a 10 out of 10. Well, I'm not going to name brands, of course. I think there's been a, there's been a, an incredible shift over the last number of years. I mean, we have our traditional brands that, you know, frustrate the, the daylight side of us, whether they're utilities or otherwise, but I, I think there's so much skill and, and so much yeah, just so much skill in the in the service customer service delivery area. That I, if you're not listening to people, you know, if you're not learning from both others' failure and 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 people's success, and not getting as much input as you can, shame on you. I mean, we do that all the time. We learn all the time. And you know what? To be honest, we know when we're going to be in a, a a tough situation. You 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 know right down to the number of associates you that may have available on a shift. So you have to work and you've got to compensate for that. And that can't be your excuse ever, right? You know, we have a three-sided marketplace, right? We got we've got careers and restaurants and and customers. And every single night we have to keep that experience in balance.
0: It's very interesting. So what's next? Where does this concept of food delivery go in terms of yourself as a platform and or the industry en masse?
1: Yeah, you know, so I, I think some of some of the things are obvious. So beyond food delivery, what will work? What can we add to our platform? Uh, you know, weather channels and services. And uh, I'm not going to suggest that you know we aren't adding others. And alcohol is definitely one that we're we're really interested in. We were able to do stacking in the middle of COVID. Stacking is simply adding alcohol to a food order, which we which we couldn't do. We're going can do in one province, but now we can do it in five provinces. Working so working with the with the regulators to be able to do that and that, I mean, it very obviously increases basket size, but you know, taking that aside, it has made us even more attractive as an option, at dinner time, hopefully dinner time and going into the evening. So that's an area where, where we're really going to focus, you know, also uh, convenience, you know, we deliver like one of our competitors to a 7-Eleven there really is there are very very few things that don't work on our platform even specialty grocery have been able to do some strong work in that area as well and so i think it's i think it's adding the things that naturally uh, work with our tech and, and on our platform that's where i think we're going to go but you know we're certainly not seeing the maturity in uh, food delivery anytime soon and Unfortunately, if we have you know further restrictions into the fall, we're going to need to be on point and make sure that that's our primary focus in
0: many regards, you become a lifeline for many different customer segments and just really ease the burden for many others, including myself, when you're working at home and dealing with logistics of school and and kids who are getting you know stressed out and And I think the diversity option is really interesting, too, in terms of the the choices and not not having, as you know, our families used to say when we were younger, like we're making one thing and everybody's eating it, but you really open up the, yeah. the art of the possible in terms of personalization of food by family member for every single meal.
1: Yeah. Listen, our industry took some hits at, you know, at kind of the height of COVID, let's say the April, May timeframe. And this was why we responded in the way that we did with the emergency support packages that went on for two, three months. Because we recognized that we don't exist if independent restaurants and restaurants in general are not strong, and able to make it through. And there is no way, I mean, how relevant are we going to be if, if, you know, your local hero isn't in business, you know, in, in a number of months. And so, yeah, we felt for sure an obligation. We felt a responsibility. We developed. And launched contactless delivery very very quickly. I will say at the very beginning of COVID, I know we don't focus entirely on COVID here, but it's been such a unique year. You know, everyone would assume that we benefited and, and and we benefited in the sense that we brought more customers into delivery experience. But we didn't know at the very beginning. I remember I I was coming back from vacation in March, much like a few of our leadership team, and we were we didn't know where this was gonna start or end. And we had to make a decision to send you know, 2,500 people home, actually at that time, probably about 2,100, in about 45 minutes, because that was about two o'clock in the afternoon when we had this conversation, we are getting all the data. This was the Friday before. We had to send all these people home and we had to operate the business that night without missing a beat. We were able to do it, thankfully. And within 72 hours, we had all of our people working from home and we had been running this business from our homes Since then, and it's remarkable. Now, you know, am I concerned that you know at some point we need to get back into offices and be talking to one another? Because I think that's where innovation happens. I think innovation happens face to face. But we're really proud of that. And I wouldn't call us an essential service, but I think we did serve an important purpose during that time. I remember. I think it was Mayor Mayor Tory, and uh, uh, you know, I'll forever be thankful. But I think at a time when we didn't know if we were going to be allowed to keep going. I think it was him or one of the other mayors who said, listen, stay home and order your food delivered. And they didn't call us out specifically, but that was the point. And that, that's when people kind of went, okay. And that's when contactless delivery and some of the other safety measures became important. So
0: outside of the short-term potential continued challenges of, of COVID, when you think about other threats to the business and the industry en masse what keeps you up at night you know what do you think about is it your competitors is it new entrants you know the banks are worried about the big tech companies and telcos are worried about mvno's coming over the top and everybody's got something they worry about what worries you
1: well certainly uh competitors always should always worry you you should always be uh, paying attention uh, you should always be thinking one or two steps ahead and you know we're canadian although we're owned by a, global business out of um, Amsterdam now, but we still operate in Canada. All of our infrastructures here. All of our people are here. All of our employees are here. We're a Canadian brand and we face incredible competition, we, but we do have about 51, 52% of the market share here in Canada. So we're very proud of that. And I wouldn't say it's tough. I'd say it's a challenge every day to make sure that we are able to maintain it, or remain relevant. We've just launched our uh, Skip Rewards uh, loyalty uh, plan we, uh, program, and we're, we're excited. Like no fee, it's the easiest loyalty program to join. One of the things that that we did know, we got lots of insights coming off of uh, COVID, but you know, almost ninety five percent of people on our platform told us that they would just order more if they were incentivized. I mean, wow! Imagine that. And so we just launched the, the easiest program we could imagine as consumers ourselves, right? So just order more and receive benefit. You know, uh, we run our business a little bit differently. We, we, we have no hidden service fees. We have free delivery is uh, shared and, and, you know, by both the restaurants and ourselves. What you see on our app in terms of your cost is, is all you pay. We just go to market a little bit differently than everybody else. And you know, that's obviously what motivated us to to launch a, a rewards program was no subscription.
0: Yeah, big fan of that. And it seems so obvious, right? In Send people, they do more basic marketing. So let's let's yeah. do a couple of kind of quick questions to you know sure. rapid fire it out. So other than your own brand, give me a brand you admire.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So I love Lulu. Uh, I I just always have, I like a lot because quality of the product, I think the customer service experience is the best, both in-store and online. I've always admired the brand. I I think they do great things. And to be relevant to someone of my age means that they're they're doing their homework. I also downloaded uh, an app called Noom, which is a, it's weight loss, but it's also health. Would I tell you I'm vigilant? No, but I just, their approach to to interaction and engagement was I, I think it's remarkable I, I think it's a I, I think it's a great uh, piece of work for sure and they're
0: in heavy TV rotation like you are and I've actually been yeah. wondering how effective it is so we might have a follow-up conversation on that
1: well I was fascinated so I mean you know uh, it, you, you you caught my interest and uh, Ad- advertising yeah. works I, I I hope it does I hope every time somebody sees John Ham that their love for him uh, you know translates to us so
0: so on that. Brand versus performance marketing.
1: Yeah. Brand. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, do I know as a consumer, you know, there's such an affinity, my my affinity for brands is based on, I'm sorry, it's based on uh, their advertising and, and, you know, their, their communication.
0: Well, the John Hamm commercials work for me. So, One more for you. Who does digital marketing well?
1: Mm. Yeah, give me a second here.
0: And I'm going to lead you into one that I've been really admiring lately. Native deodorant. Native deodorant. (laughs) Native deodorant. I challenge anybody to order a deodorant stick and not fall in love with the experience, whether you love the product or not the kitschiness in the newsletters and the way they write their confirmation emails to you, the simplicity in the cross sell and upsell. I literally had two $10 items in a sorry, two $12 items in a cart. And it automatically recommended that I should buy the three pack for $10 each at $30. And it literally showed me the benefit as opposed to just being some sort of, you know, always on kind of campaign. And I really fell in love with it. And uh, not only that, but the product actually works pretty well. So there you go.
1: Um, I would say Bellroy. I I got a closet full of it. And, and so they always seem to hit me at the right time. I probably have, you know, three, three colors of the same on three or four different products. I, I think they do an amazing job. You know, you know, what really did it for me was sure they're, they're hitting me at the right time. You know, their content is so relevant. I think maybe that's my ideal but in the the beginning when nobody knew who they were and I couldn't figure out why I was getting these messages, it was their video. It was, you know, this is how the product works. This is, you know, it was so simple. It was like, you know, explaining why I needed it when I didn't even know that I needed it. And it was, it was amazing. And they got a guy or they found a guy who was you know, rather specific about what he packs on a trip. And they spoke right to me. I don't, it's almost as if they, they knew I was, uh, yeah, a bit of ADD or not rather not ADD, OCD. Rather.
0: Somewhere there's bo- a, there's a medical database targeting you somewhere. I
1: know I, I got, I got, I got both. No, no, I, I, I love that brand and, and, and interesting. Um, so they're out of Australia originally. I worked for a couple of years with Movember Foundation. I spent a lot of time in, in Melbourne and they, they were their first offices was in the, was in the same building as Movember in Melbourne, Australia. So anyway, fun fact, doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> talk about, talk about real world remarketing. Anyway,
1: Yeah. I did not even know who they were until, until uh, I didn't even know that that's where they were from until I saw them.
0: Well, listen, uh, Kevin Edwards, CEO of Skip the Dish is a, amazing canadian success story born and bred in the prairies the business not you and uh (laughs) recruiting recruiting really ultimately international talent uh as well as i'm surprised 2500 talented individuals to really grow this canadian success story i had no idea you had that many people and so kudos to you for not only uh building a great team and a great platform and product but you know really helping helping grow an industry and uh, i know i'm a user I, I have to admit, I'm not yet a member of the loyalty play. So I'm going to open up my app and, and do that now. But
1: skip know, rewards.
0: Skip, <laughs> skip rewards. Don't skip the rewards. See, there's a branding <laughs> issue. And well, anyway, we're going to have a brand conversation later. But, uh, you know, Kevin, Kevin, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the insights and enjoy being in the middle of the continent for
1: yet another. Well, oh, thank you.
0: been listening to Fine Tune. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter at @cfine, through LinkedIn at Corby Fine, or visit my website, corbyfine.com. Fine Tune is produced by me, Corby Fine. Thanks for listening.